0: Good evening and welcome to This Week in Football from the makers of Low Limit Football. I am your host Joe Ucello and joining me as always my co-host Mr. Roberto Rojas as we bring you Group F of the 2022 World Cup as Belgium, Canada, Morocco and Croatia head to Qatar to challenge for the title. Roberto, this is a great group. This is a fun group. This is an exciting group. We have the second place or runner-up in uh, from 2018 in Croatia in this one. We've got Belgium looking at the kind of the twilight of their golden age. We do have a difficult side in Morocco and an upstart Canada that won CONCACAF um, and I believe did that without being beaten. A fantastic side, a great story. Um, you, you know, coming out of the north here in the, uh, you know, in North America. I, I, this group is very, very interesting to me in the fact that, you know, you would want to pick the chalk in Belgium and Croatia, but I feel like the the other two teams in this group are probably the two teams that, that can really make a difference here and catch one of those other sides. We you know, Croatia's on the aging side. Belgium like I said in the twilight of their golden age and you really have a couple of young sides in, in Canada and Morocco here that can challenge what are your thoughts on this group
1: yeah it's it's really the group of the wild cards because it looks like you know you have four teams that definitely have a lot to prove and you know obviously the kind of newcomers in Canada who you know won Cup, first World Cup back uh since 1986 so it's been a while since they've been in this competition but you look at Morocco Croatia Belgium Obviously, three sides that were at the World Cup last time round: Croatia finishing as runners-up, Belgium in third, and Morocco out of the group stages. So I think, you know, you have that experience, and I think certainly that makes it even more harder to predict. I think similar to Group A, and even to an extent Group B, this is the group that I think, you know, it wouldn't be shocking if you see, you know, the major European sides go out and, and qualify. But also, you know, you have the North American side and the African side looking to spoil the party, so... Yeah, I think this is very much a group that is, for me at least in my estimation, a bit tough to call. I mean, you might have to analyze it, and we did obviously with our four great experts towards this. But um, no, this is this is going to be one of the more tasty um world cup groups out of all of them at this uh this
0: competition totally totally agree and these are going to be some exciting matchups they kick off on the 23rd of november um starting with morocco and croatia and to that end we were joined again by amin alamri from uh, north african football journalist to preview morocco he previously joined us to preview tunisia um but this time he came back to uh preview his home country of morocco as they head to qatar for the world cup so without further ado the Amin El-Amri interview and joining us now on This Week in Football to preview Morocco as they head to Group F of the 2022 Qatari World Cup. Uh, Amin El-Amri from uh, a Moroccan football journalist is joining us. Amin, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you. I'd like to just open with a general question about your uh, track record covering Moroccan football.
2: Hi, Joe. Hi, Roberto. Nice to be back on Low Limit Football. That's great honor for me and a big pleasure to to talk to you guys so yeah morocco in the world cup for the second time in a row for the sixth time of our history it's um it's a big thing uh let's not forget it's the it's the last uh, world cup with 32 teams involved and the old whatever new system that has been brought on in 98 so and 98 actually was the last time in the 20th century that we played in a, in a World Cup and we waited 20 years. So now it's more, much less euphoric than it was for Russia. Uh, people have expectations. And, yeah, we're in a pretty tough group with Croatia, Belgium, and Canada. Uh, let's see how, it, how uh, things will develop in Doha.
1: So obviously looking at this Moroccan side real quick, obviously from the last four years, you know, they went through kind of a, I'd say, you know, interesting per se yeah I would say that because you know this is a, again this is a very talented Morocco side, and we're going to talk about them in a bit in terms of the team but they did finish in the quarterfinals at the africa cup of nations um in 2021 oh, sorry well last this this year per se uh they were in the round of 16 as well in 2019 and they had to go through a, a playoff actually um, because they had finished um basically in their in their spot to qualify and they beat uh, DR Congo 5 2 on aggregate. So I just wanted your thoughts on how have you seen this Moroccan side from four years ago to now? You know, what, what kind of expectation and, and really just, you know, what kind of things this Moroccan side has done better, maybe has done worse than what you saw at Russia four years ago?
2: Well, first of all, it's um, not a whole new team, but it's uh... China's 70% changed because all the big, big players from that time, uh, I mean, Mehdi uh, I mean, Barq, Bosufa, Ahmadi, and so on uh, are, are now, uh, you know, ex-international players. Uh, most of them have also uh, taken, you know, their retreat from actual football. So uh, I think it's a very changed team. Uh, um, in, in Russia, we got there with a the team under Hervé Renard, uh, who was really, really composed of, of players with a certain experience. Uh, I, I think we had uh, one of the, the biggest age average in the tournament, uh, around 29 years old. But this year, it's much less. I mean, we still have players of experience, like the captain, Roman Seis, ex-Wolverhampton, now in Besiktas. Uh, we have Yassin Bono, of course. Uh, we have a couple of other players, like Hakim Ziyech, who is nearly 30. But the core of the team is composed by players who are 23, 24. So most of them will play World Cup for the first ever time. And uh, like you said, in in African Cup of Nations, it was a whole other team, not for the elements or the individuals, because I think only Hakim Ziyash and Nuzayi Mazraoui weren't there. I mean, from the player in the top tier of the team. But it was under Vahid Harilodzic. And Vahid Harilodzic, even though having secured uh, back-to-back World Cup qualification and then back-to-back uh, AFCON qualification, almost because all we need is is one point from a three-group team, but uh, there there has been change. And you know, in football, you can never say uh, with so so little time ahead. I mean, we we are now performing under Walid Reggii, who came from Wydad Casablanca. So there's a lot of new uh, items, a lot of new ideas. It's just like You're going into a game of poker without knowing what your cards are. You know, the bet is very big. Uh, We don't know how tactically this team will manage. I mean, we were going uh, a defense of three in the back with Fahid Harilovic, and now we're playing again with the defense of four. Uh, We have so much talent in the flank, but very little physical resistance in the middle, so it's a, it's not a chaos, but it could be a theory of chaos, you know, when it kind of causes surprise. I, I mean, this is the one element that I, I cannot calculate, and I think, maybe, I hope, that it's gonna work, but you know, in modern football, it's all about science and data and whatever, and uh, all all of those things are against are against actually Moroccan odds. Well,
0: I mean I think those those poker cards are going to become very, very important very, very quickly because Morocco enters um, a group F that is certainly well talented. You have Croatia who was runner up to the World Cup in two thousand and eighteen you have Belgium who 's widely considered one of the favorites to win this uh, this tournament and then you also have a kind of a, a wild card you know forgive the pun in Canada who 's returning to this uh, this tournament for the first time in a long time and uh you know alfonso davies they do they do have some talent there they and they've done quite well to uh you know to advance as the top concacaf side so for in your opinion how does this um how does this group pan out for morocco going into it especially when you get the runners up right off the bat uh in croatia on the 23rd i know the
2: runners up and the third and and this is huge mm. and all of the three other teams qualified being leaders of their group in the in the World Cup qualifiers so i i, I don't think there's a much uh, maybe more equilibrated group in in this World Cup uh, even though uh, for me from from a tactical point of view the hardest opponent is croatia and it's the first game and uh, you guys know that the, the mental approach for a World Cup is, is very, very important. And to add to this, uh, the team will only have f- from a week to 10 days prior to their first game, you know, together and to put everything in place. So, like I said, it's an, it's an element of surprise. And uh, we'll see how will that develop against Croatia which for me is the most important game, not only in the World Cup, but for the future of this team. Because if you can surprise Croatia, maybe get a point, maybe win. All right? I mean, how would you approach the second game of Belgium? You would be on the rise, on a cloud, you know? And uh, mentally, you will be very, very strong. But if you fail against Croatia, at least tactically, you will take three, four goals. And this is a nightmare because you will still have to go through two games and it will be a mountain to climb against Belgium, another mountain to climb against Canada. And you will be under heavy fire of critique in the country. So I think the most important game, not only in the World Cup, but the, for the near future of of Moroccan's national team, is it, Croatia and how we could lock up this midfield of them, which is composed of legend, you know, stuff of legend. We're talking Modric, we're talking Brozovic, we're talking Kovacic, we're talking Perisic on the flank. And I mean, uh, even though big names from 2018 uh, are, are not there, I'm talking about goalkeeper Subasic Lovren. Uh, vida Mandzukic, etc but even though they're not here the team and the spirit of this croatian team is, is pretty hot against belgium I, I think i think what what happens in belgium is that sometimes they have uh they struggle maintaining their you know the stature of favorites and sometimes it turns them into, excuse me for the term, into chokers. And I think we have much, much more chance against Belgium than against Croatia because they are so in good shape. Uh, Even though Brozovic, I think he he was injured during the the FIFA FIFA games, but I think he will be ready for the World Cup. And and I'm most worried. You know, guys, I love Inter. I've been following them for years. I know Brozovic is is the biggest trouble in that team. Um, And, of course, Canada. uh, Canada is is like the new guy, you know? 32 years, they haven't played the World Cup. Uh, They will have... I, I think that the Morocco chance is not to face Canada in the first game. Because they will be, you know, full with energy and enthusiasm. And I think I don't think they can create the surprise, but you know you never know in football. But playing them in the third game would be much easier because I don't know either you you lost your first two games and you'll be eliminated, or you create a surprise against either Croatia or Belgium or both, and then you play this third game knowing that. You're better, you have maybe much more, uh, much, um, I think, a few elements better than Canada, even though they have very, very good players, very fast players. But playing them in the third game, I think it's it's a big chance for Morocco. Either if we were were qualified, if we have to qualify through the game, or if we are eliminated, it's good to play Canada in the third game.
1: So looking at some of the players that Morocco has and and really, I think it's kind of a who's who because, you know, we you know the likes of Hakimi and we know what he's done at PSG. We know the likes of Ziyech and, you know, many other players like El-Naziri, uh Bono at Sevilla as well. I mean, this the team is talented. We do know this. So I just wanted to ask you really, like, for this Moroccan side to be successful, who do you think are those players that have to step up? Is it the likes of a Hakimi, a Ziyech, and Bono? Or, or hell... Is it even someone or some players that you think could indeed, you know, maybe aren't talked about as much or maybe are playing on lesser teams that could indeed make this impact at this World Cup? Is it those players as well or, or is it a mix of both um, for you?
2: Well, you know, Rob, um, the fact that you spoke about those players means that they have a big responsibility and it's not a chance that they are playing their second World Cup. I mean... Uh, Ziyech in 2018 was a ghost. He didn't do anything, uh, especially against Iran in the first game. Uh, in the in the subsequent Afcon, he didn't do anything. Although he was having the season of his life with Ajax, uh, reaching the Champions League semi-finals. And so, you can see that this guy has, has so much talent, and yet uh, during Throughout the game, he won't do, you know, like, big chances or something. He will do just one, you know, one click, one genius act. And you will see, see, this is the the ZS I want. Uh, For Hakimi, he was just 18 at the time. Uh, I won't won't blame him. I won't criticize him because this guy is is really... uh, big big professional and really dedicated to to what he's doing even though he's only 22 years old uh, he's one of the best player i think i've ever seen wearing the national team shirt so yeah plus in 2018 he, he played on on the left which wasn't his you know natural habitat between brackets and so he was more involved in defending work now he's playing on the right flank with Ziyech. Uh, I think they have a big responsibility. On the other hand, we have Bruno, which is a liability in the cages. I mean, we've all seen the game against Paraguay when he stops this great chance from from our friend Miguel Almirón. And uh, yeah, he's ready. Uh, he can even uh, I, I saw him against Atletico Madrid. The fact that he's suffering from all from his, you know, both gods, if you you can say, uh, from last year, and uh, he's really suffering and struggling from that side. But he's managing, you know, to make some saves, and uh, even though Sevilla's not doing well this season, uh, Mercedes is on a bad form. Uh, He's never got again to his level, he's shown in 2020, 2021. So, Uh, That's a big, mysterious point. Uh, Is he going to be fit for the World Cup? I mean, mentally, we don't know that. The the three or four weeks that are ahead of us would certainly tell us more. But I think he can step up. And uh, even though he's not so talented, uh, he's a big, 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 big big-time worker. So... Uh, even if he, if he's not scoring, he helps the team a lot by pressing defenders, by harassing all the back line in the opponent. So I, I think his role is really important. Sadly, he, he doesn't score a lot, doesn't get chances a lot. And I think that's, that's only a, a mental thing. Uh, but from the other parts, there is... Amrabat, there is Roman Seis, there is Naif Egerd from West Ham if he if he's fit for the World Cup. I think the element of surprise for me are players that are new to this team. They haven't been here while Vahid Harilodzic was in charge, or they appeared very little. So that, you know, when Vahid was here, at least the last three or four months, the environment was so, you know, it was so heavy, so electrical. uh, Everybody was ready to snap. And those guys, and I'm going to say their names, didn't, you know, haven't been present during that era. So all they know is the energy of a new coach, uh, the enthusiasm from the public, from the public, for this culture, for this new team, and the sense that some might have of relief of, um, you know, of Vahid Halilodzic, because Vahid Halilodzic was, you know, hard-headed and (laughs) the guy who would say would be very honest with everybody. And this, in our, you know, kind of Latin culture, is not really appreciated. So, uh, those guys, I'm, I'm going to tell you, Abdelhamid Sabiri from Sampdoria, the very good, one of the few players that can, you know, manage to go through in the middle of the opponent defense. Uh, he's got a really, really right foot so he can shoot from, the, from distance, 30, 35 meters, no problem. I think everybody saw the The goal against Chile, great work. We have also Abdel Zulzuli, a player low knee from Barcelona to Osasuna, which can, you know, break backs, you know, with his dribbles. Um, And he will be, maybe he will be substitute for uh, Sofiane Bouffal on the left side. Uh, We have also Salim Amallah from Standard de Liege, um, very rare um, box-to-box profile. Guy can defend and also bring the ball up up in the field and very good right foot also, so he can shoot and he's good on, on set pieces and um, and Naeve agate. Or if Naeve Agate isn't fit because he spent the last two months. Uh, trying to prepare himself because he was injured in the in the preseason. Ashraf Dari, Ashraf Dari is a good defender. He was in with At Casablanca last year during their winning Champions Champions League in Africa campaign, and, and now he's playing for Brest, uh, and he's very good. Uh, but uh, he need just evolve on the um, on the attacking uh, side. I mean. Uh, when he 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 does really good job in anticipating and harassing the other strikers etc. But when he gets the ball, he tends to, you know, send it away without really trying to reflect or to think about it. And uh, that's an aspect he needs to improve. But like I said, Sabiri, Amella, um, Zelzuli, Abdi, if you want. And uh, and Dari could be the surprises of this team. I'm really, really, really thinking that uh, Ziyech, Hakimi, Bunu, Masrawi, Sais can step up in the World Cup because for Sais, for example, uh, maybe Ziyech and Bunu it could be their last the last World Cup because they're turning around their thirties. So, yeah, I, I think we have good experience and that good you know mix up between experience and uh, and young energy.
0: so i mean um i wanted to jump in here because i wanted to get your predictions for morocco how do you think they're going to do in uh in group f and uh what would a moroccan win you know the first african nation to win the world cup what would that mean for the people of morocco and for
2: african football <laughs> i mean <laughs> okay let's just start with uh, the kind of uh, the, the, the rational predictions, okay? So I, I think uh, like I said before, it all depends on the first game. Uh, if we if we if we're good against Croatia, we can you know take a point or even a win. I think mm-hmm. all the campaign uh, from Morocco would be excellent. So um, my own predictions. Uh, we're gonna do good against Croatia, but we're gonna have a draw and maybe we can win Belgium and Canada. So going through the first the first uh, phase and into the last the last 16 will be a great World Cup for this team. Mm-hmm. And I hope they do so. Uh, from there, I can, <laughs> I can't you know, my, my eyes can see yeah, forward from there. But about your second question, I mean, man, in this country, everything shaped like a ball is a football. Can you imagine the passion of the people here? I mean, we've only won uh, just one AFCON in 76. And the crazy thing is, I, I'm going to give you an example. In 1998, we, we played against Norway, Brazil, and Scotland uh, in, in in France uh, World Cup. So, we're very good against Norway. We go 2-2. Okay? Kind of a, an own goal. We didn't deserve the draw. We deserve to win. Alright? We play against Brazil. It's you know, Ronaldo, Rivaldo, uh, Bebeto Leonardo, Roberto Carlos. It's one of the best, I think, the best team in Brazil's history. Okay, we we take 3-0, logical loss, everything's good. We play against Scotland, and then some magic happened that night, in the good and in the bad. We got our biggest win in the World Cup. We win 3-0 against a team composed of Colin Hendry, McAllister, etc., etc. On the other side, I I think we were playing in Saint-Etienne, and Brazil against Norway, we are playing in Marseille. On the other side, 98th minute, I I think it was Junior Baiano, takes up the shirt from Torre and the floor. Penalty for Norway. They win Brazil 2-1 against any odds, not all odds, but any odds, the way it goes through to the last 16, and we're eliminated by, you know, cruel fate. The day after, the team lands in the airport here in Casablanca and there's literally millions of people waiting for them from the airport in Casablanca to the Royal Palace in Rabat. So it's um, a 60-mile journey, people on the side of the road. I mean, guys, uh, this is not getting through to last 16, but play well and having a good team. (laughs) I mean, imagine (laughs) winning the World Cup. It's going to be like 40 days, 40 nights party for everybody in morocco i oh. mean i could i could i could pull out i could pull out a line and go for a week in my underwear to work guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. crazy
0: times that's for sure oh yeah it would be Can crazy
2: you the best
0: <laughs> yeah. i mean i, I want to thank you for joining us and helping us break down morocco as they head to qatar for the world cup all the best to you and we look forward to speaking again soon
2: Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's been an honor and a privilege to talk to you guys.
0: And special thanks again to Amina Lamri for joining us on the show. Next up, we were joined by Croatian sports journalist Ante Zoric to preview Croatia as they head to face Morocco for their opening match of the 2022 World Cup. So without further ado, the Ante Zoric interview and joining us now on low limit football to break down Croatia, the runners up to the 2018 world cup, as they head to group F of the 2022 Qatari world cup is Anthony Zorich joining us from Croatian sports. Uh, Ante, welcome back to the show. It is great to have you back for the listeners that didn't listen to us in uh, 2018 or might've missed uh, the preview. Tell us about your ties to Croatian soccer.
3: Well, uh, you know, my my obviously my uh, my ties start very very young, uh, Croatian uh, football and uh, and the Croatian culture are very intertwined. And um, growing up in Los Angeles, uh, my father was part of uh, of a team called Los Angeles Croatia. Basically, every city uh, Croatians moved to from Croatia, they set up soccer teams, and that was kind of the the thing that brought Croatians together. Um, around the world every weekend so um, and then obviously you know if they had practices during the week but uh, so that's one of the reasons why I think I'm I'm, I'm very much uh, attached to the sport because it was a very large part of uh, my upbringing.
1: And you know Auntie, I, I think obviously you know for this kind of modern generation of Croatian football you know we, we really have seen kind of a a roller coaster ride because obviously, when we spoke to you four years ago, you know, I don't think you or any of us really expected this kind of um, big expectation to be given to them. Now, obviously, the last time that we did speak about Croatia at a World Cup, they ended up finishing up as runners up for the first time ever, going to the final, losing four to the France. And you know, I think obviously the work that was done, um, you know, with this team under the manager uh, Sako Dadic. I think is is remarkable. You know, I, I think obviously now, you know, heading into this World Cup, you know, they, they did go into the round of 16 of the Euros last year, which I think for them and the team that they have was a bit disappointing. But you have to understand that it's still a team that maybe, you know, obviously Modric and and the likes of Brozovic and, and Kovacic are still there. But, you know, um, there is a team that is starting to rejuvenate a little. So I just wanted to ask you really, how have you seen this Croatia side from that final in, in Moscow four years ago, the Euros, and now heading into this World Cup. You know, what What do you feel is the mood and the vibe for, for you and I think for a lot of Croatians uh, for this World Cup in Qatar?
3: The atmosphere is excellent right now. I mean, we finished top of our group at the League of Nations uh, with a 4-1-1 record, uh, beating Denmark twice and uh, beating and tying France. So, um, so uh, Dalic has done a, a really, really great job Kind of combining this, these, these new up and come up and coming players like um, Govardio, uh, Sosa, Juranovic, who all who make up the back line with uh, with Lovren. Basically, we have uh, three three new players in the back line from uh, from, from from the last World Cup. Uh, the midfield is pretty similar. We have Brozovic and Modric there, but now we have Kovačić instead of Rakitić, and uh, and then we have Perišić uh, on the left. And then the only kind of two, uh, the only kind of two questionable positions are the are the forward and the right wing. Uh, we've seen Dalic use uh, a, a false nine in Kramaric up top. He's kind of more of a second striker. He's not really, uh, you know, the big tall uh, post up striker that, that that Croatia is uh, kind of more used to playing with. Um, so so those are the kind of the 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 two positions that uh, that he may even change game in and game out depending on the other, other team's weaknesses.
0: So, Ante, I want to jump in now to the group. Um, looking at Group F, uh, it's a group that – there's one team that they're going to have some familiarity with, but really this is a, a bit of a mystery for Croatia going into this World Cup. They've only faced each other Morocco once. And that was in 1996. They've only um, faced Canada. Actually, I'm sorry. They've never faced Canada before. Uh, but Croatia is certainly f- uh, familiar with Belgium. They faced them eight times, most recently in 2021. How does this group pan out for you, especially um, with, a, with a pretty decent challenge in Morocco right off the bat on November 23rd?
3: Uh, we've had pretty good history against, uh, African opponents, uh, when we do play them, but, uh, but I mean, I, you know, it's a world cup and, and, and we're kind of coming off being the finalists. So I think, I think we're going to be a target where, where maybe last world cup, we, uh, we were just kind of a normal team, but, uh, but, uh, you know, first game is always, uh, important to win. I think once you get that three points, then you can afford a loss to Belgium. Um, if you can, if you can get past Canada. So, um, it's gonna be a challenging match I think I think Morocco actually did a did a big mistake letting go of their coach uh, Hali because he knows our players really really well and I think he would have really given us a good tactical matchup. I'm not sure how their their new new coach is gonna handle the situation, but uh, Vaja is an incredible coach and he got him to the World Cup so I'm really surprised they they kind of let him go.
1: Now, obviously, looking at this Croatia side as a whole, I mean, obviously, you know, some of the players that we have spoken about, like the likes of Modric, Brozovic, and Kovacic, uh, Perisic as well, and, and among many others. But, you know, um, if you can give me a name or at least some names that I think could indeed be vital for this Croatian side moving forward and and really what you feel is will be vital, maybe some players that maybe we don't know about or maybe are starting to make their, their names in, in a big league, uh, who do you feel are the ones that could indeed step out on this Croatian side?
3: Well, I mean, uh, you have several new starters, as I said. Um, one of the highest-rated uh, ones is, is definitely Yoshko Guardiola, um, center back. Uh, he's, he's been really, really good for Red Bull uh, Leipzig, and uh, he's been linked to a large, large uh, transfer uh, by Chelsea. Um, and then uh, we also have a very deep bench. Uh, we have guys like Lovre who who's uh, – I think he's 23 or 24, but he's, he played an incredible year of football in France uh, last year. He's a left-footed uh, attacking midfielder. So we might see him, uh, you could see him either play behind a forward or or as a right winger kind of supporting uh, the, the forward, kind of cutting in. Um, we also have uh, Vlasic, who who was vital in the last qualifiers. Um, this, this qualifying, he didn't play as much because because he wasn't really getting game time at uh, Everton. But now he's moved on to, to Torino in Italy, and uh, he's been playing really well there. So he's, he, he could be another great spark off the bench. Uh, and then the left back, uh, Sosa, has also been, uh, been very good at Stuttgart. So uh, him and our outside back, Juranovic, have both uh, really impressed with their, with, their, with their play for Croatia since they, they came into this team.
1: Now, obviously, I think the big name that everyone's going to be keeping their eyes out is the captain, Luka Modric. For some, the greatest uh, Croatian player of all time. For some, one of the greatest midfielders of all time. And, and certainly, the last four years for him have been really where we saw him at his best, winning Champions League, winning the Ballon d'Or. You know, breaking that kind of uh, strong horse, strong force that Messi and Ronaldo has had for for over a decade. Obviously, coming literally at the twilight, I would like to say maybe it's his last dance playing at this World Cup at 37. I mean, how much would it mean for him to to really, you know, cap off a a wonderful career at this, on this Croatian side, and, and just in his career in general, and, and really, what kind of importance do you think the people of Croatia will definitely give to him uh, after this World Cup?
3: I mean, Modric is, I think he's surpassed any other Croatian player. Uh, you know, and the, the other greats that, that that are to be considered uh, next to him are, are definitely Boban, Schuker and uh, you know, some others like Prostinetchy. But uh but he's definitely surpassed all them, uh, you know, winning all those champions leagues and, and, and spending a, a decade at Real Madrid, which is really incredible. So um uh yeah, I mean after after reaching the final and winning the Bolondir, I really thought he was gonna retire after that. So it, it was a really a, a pleasant surprise to have him for another four years because he's still our best player and our most important player. So um I think this World Cup, uh, you know, we have we have more experience with with our leaders and we have some, some new blood in the team. So so I think we could really, really make a A deep run as long as we get past that first round
0: no doubt especially even with with a a field general like Luka modric you know manning the midfield i think uh you know croatia's would be croatia would be in great shape going into this world cup but um let's get to the the prediction portion of the program here um you know following up 2018 second place finish to ultimate champion france um, certainly um, you would want to say Luka Modric is past his prime, but he's not showing signs of it. So what would be your prediction for this particular Croatian side going into this World Cup? How far do you think they can go? And what would winning this World Cup after following you know, a runner-up finish in 2018, what would that mean to the people of Croatia?
3: I mean, we saw an incredible celebration uh, going to the final there, I mean, it was it was incredible. I think half a million people showed up, which is like 10% of the country showed up for the celebrations in Zagreb. So it, it means a great deal. It means a great deal. And uh, you know, Croatia is a country that's uh, having a lot of issues uh, politically and uh, with unemployment, for example. So um, so so going deep in a tournament like this really brings uh, all the people together, no matter what their political differences are. And uh, and you know, I think like like I said before. I think once we get to the knockouts, uh, with our experience, uh, I I can see us getting to the quarterfinals, maybe semifinals, and then who knows? I mean, I look for a minimum quarterfinal. That's that's my expectation. Anything past that would be would be great.
0: No doubt about it, Ante. I want to thank you uh, again for joining us on the show, helping us break down Croatia as they head to uh, to Group F for the 2022 World Cup. Um, all the best to you and best of luck to Croatia as they make their journey to Qatar.
3: Thank you guys. Thank you guys very much.
0: And special thanks again to Ante Zorch for joining us on the show. Next up, we were joined by Khan Bayezit, sports journalist covering Turkish and Belgian football to preview Belgium as they head to their opening match of the 2022 World Cup. So without further ado, the Khan Baezit interview. And joining us now on This Week in Football to preview Belgium in Group F as they head to Qatar for the 2022 World Cup. Khan Baezit, uh freelance football journalist. Khan, welcome back to the show. It is great to have you on. Um, I want to start out with your coverage. I, I know many will, will remember you for covering Turkish football quite a bit, but your ties to uh, uh, Belgian football.
4: Well I'm born and raised in Belgium. My mom's Belgian, so uh I uh I I frequently uh write about the Belgian national team as well for uh uh World Soccer Die uh World sorry um what's it called again? <laughs> so it's a Japanese football magazine. Uh World Soccer uh oh Jesus World Soccer Digest, yeah World Soccer Digest. I don't know why it was so difficult for me to come up with that, but uh, yeah, no, I uh, I do uh, previews for the big tournaments and stuff like that all the time for them for their uh, magazine, um, and uh, yeah, so I do cover uh, the Belgian national team quite frequently. I'm I'm not super uh, uh, I'm, I'm not super how should I say um, I don't cover the Belgian league as closely as I do. I'm, I'm mainly focused on the Turkish League, but I definitely uh, keep close tabs on the Bel- the Belgian national team, and of course, I do keep close tabs on the Bel- Belgian League as well. I just don't cover it uh, frequently.
1: So, obviously, looking at this Belgian national team over the last, I'd say, four years, I mean, they finished third, if you remember, back in 2018, um, losing to the eventual champions France in the semifinals, and then beating England to finish their their best performance since 1986 at a World Cup. And then, fast forward a few years later, They go and play the Euros, where many of them have toted as, you know, obviously favorites or dark horses, and definitely because of the talent that they have, um, they ended up finishing in the quarterfinals. So I guess, you know, kind of my question to you is really, excuse me, how have you really seen this Belgian side evolve over the last four years? You know, you look at this generation of players, this so-called golden generation, and
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it's definitely getting much older, you know, certainly getting into kind of the last, you know, Few years of of their prime of the great players on this side. But how have you assessed the last four years? And really, what is the the mood for this Belgian side heading into Qatar in a few weeks?
4: Well, I think there was a lot of disappointment coming out of the the 2018 World Cup, you know, going out against France on a a set piece goal. And um, yeah, the way France played after that and not being able to really um, dislodge them and find an equalizer. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was very tough to handle because there definitely were chances there and opportunities. I think if Belgium played a little bit more gutsy, um, and and they definitely have the quality for it. And then 2020 was really seen as this is probably the peak of this generation. Guys like Lukaku just had you know Lukaku just had an amazing season with uh, with Inter, I believe, and uh, uh, De Bruyne of course was was in peak condition. Hazard was still. Uh, yeah, I mean his his move to Real Madrid obviously uh, afterward didn't really work out, but um, yeah, Hazard, all those guys were 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 in peak uh, form. Um, they were kind of at their prime age, and it was kind of seen as the, the final chance, you know, for this generation—Dries Mertens, Eden Hazard, Kevin the Bru- well, Kevin De Bruyne—I think everyone knew, okay, he's going to be able to to go on for a few more years, um, and Lukaku too. But for some of these guys, like Vertonghe, Alderweireld, there'll be 33-something years old come 2022. Um, So that was really seen as the the last chance. And I think Euro 2020, because it having been moved uh, to 2021, uh, that maybe also played a little bit of a factor. uh, But it was, I think, generally quarterfinals was seen as a disappointment. Um, And really since 2014, since the Brazil World Cup, uh, Belgium, this generation, there's been a lot of expectations for it. In 2014, it was seen as, oh, you know, probably a little bit too early for this. Uh, 2016, 2018 comes along. You know, 2018, 2020 really were the years I think that uh, they were expecting if silverware was going to be grabbed, it was going to have to be in 2018 or 2020. Uh, you know, obviously 2021 due to Corona. But I think 2022 is kind of seen as a little bit already um, of the generation being over the hill, so to speak. You know, guys like Dries Mertens. he's 35 years old now, um, playing for Galtzrai at the moment, seven games played, zero goals, zero assists. He's definitely not playing poorly, but you can see that it's not the same player of a couple of years ago, you know, and which is normal. I mean, you know, we all age. I mean, Rob, you, you don't, but uh, everyone else does. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that this is kind of seen as, yeah, maybe... Maybe there's a chance, but I think realistically people do know that it's probably, if there was an opportunity, it would have been two, well, one or three years ago to to, to clinch some silverware for Belgium. So as terms of evolution... I think it's definitely a downward trajectory right now, to be quite fair. Even though Kevin De Bruyne is probably playing the best football of his career and consistent has been consistently doing so for a couple of years now for Manchester City. But De Bruyne alone won't be enough, you know.
0: Well, amazingly, you know, I want to jump into the group now because you're talking about a team that is in the decline or quote unquote in the decline. But they're certainly one of the favorites to win this World Cup. And. Um, they're going to be challenged in Group F, in my opinion. They're going to open with Canada. Uh, again, Canada will probably be something a little bit more of an unknown to some of these teams uh, going into this group stage, but they're going to open against them on the 23rd. And I think the big one for them on the uh, on December 1st, which is going to be Croatia-Belgium, I think that could potentially be for the top spot in Group F. What are your thoughts on this particular group uh, and how it lays out for Belgium going through the tournament?
4: I definitely think Canada could be in for uh, a surprise. I mean, uh, they could pose a surprise, so to speak. They were very impressive during the qualification campaign. Uh, Of course, they have some familiar faces for uh, Belgian fans, like uh, Kyle Lahren, who's now uh, playing for Club Rouge, and, of course, uh, Tim Buchanan. And... uh, yeah, there's there's definitely some familiar, familiarity there, um, but they have so much talent right now coming up with uh, with those two I already mentioned, and then of course uh, they have uh, some other tremendous talents, you know, that play not for don't play for small clubs, and then they have the experience of Tiba Hutchinson on top of that as well, and they have a really fun team. They play good football. Their coach has done a tremendous job. It it you know I I believe he comes from women's football, right? And he did a great job with the Canadian national team there as well, I believe uh or was it uh which, which national team did he work with I, before I bl- he worked with the canadian
0: he, i believe he did coach the women
4: yeah, yeah and and he's really yeah he's got something going there and i really think that canada could be uh a tough not to crack for belgium uh if you watch them during the nations league games now against Holland, for example like they really struggled and of course you know lukaku wasn't there but i don't know about this belgian team there's um there's a lot of they are kind of in a, in a in a situation now in between where it's time to bring in new young faces and there's definitely talent in the pipeline but some of them aren't fully ready yet. Others are ready, like uh, Leandro Trossard, for example. But quite frankly, Roberto uh, Martinez uh, has been very pragmatic and and holding on to the guys he knows and and you know I think I still think that he's going to start Hazard if Hazard gets enough minutes uh, in the next couple of weeks i definitely think that he's still going to start even though leandro trossard has been showing in the premier league you know that 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 he can definitely hang at the the top level and should be getting more playing opportunities but if you look at the amount of caps and the amount of minutes he's gotten under uh, martinez so far it doesn't look like he's going to be first pickings um but Canada, I definitely think, could pose an issue. Morocco is an interesting side for sure. Definitely a lot of technical talent there. Uh, just got rid of their coach, of course, with Halilovic. Uh, so... Um it's going to be interesting to see how they come into the World Cup. Is it going to have a liberating effect on some of their players? You know, of course, like H- Ha Ziyech, who is coming back into the fold now that, uh, that, that they sacked their coach. Uh, so uh, with him back in the picture, uh, Morocco definitely stronger than they would have been without. Uh, and then Croatia, I think you know Croatia kind of went through the same thing as Belgium did with the 2018 being uh, a peak for their generation. And of course, Luka Modric is still an amazing footballer, but you know he's how old is he now? 39 years old or something like he's getting on uh, up there in age as well. They have a little bit of a transitional period, the same thing as Belgium. I just think that they're further ahead in transitioning. Of course, Belgium have this situation where they have to transition certain players or maybe start looking at transitioning certain players although guys like Jan Vertonga, guys like Toby Alderweireld who are in their mid-30s now they are still playing at a high level they're still performing so when do you start making those decisions of moving them on uh, we already see with uh, Axel Witzel uh, for example that um uh, Diego Simeone has opted to start playing him as a centre-back more so than a midfielder and when asked about trying that Roberto Martinez was very dismissive about it and he wasn't very interested in it uh, and which also kind of worries me a little bit because he's been playing really well in that role. He was already playing in that role a little bit for Borussia Dortmund beforehand too. So it's something of, yeah, Roberto Martinez is going to have to put some water in his wine, so to speak, uh, uh, to and and maybe yeah, step away a little bit from what he knows and, 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 and his comfort zone and, and look more towards what are these players doing right now, what are their best positions, I think, for example, a guy like Eden Hazard, you can, you can justify it with saying, OK, we should start him anyway because it's Eden Hazard. But realistically, I think if when you have options like Leandro Tossar, who has been performing really well um, at a very high level, then I don't think you can really make that argument. And also, for example, Yannick Carrasco, who has been uh, consistently playing uh, at a high level for Atletico Madrid for the last a couple of seasons since returning uh, from China. He's also somebody that has often been overlooked uh, by uh, by Martinez in favor of of Hazard. Uh, even when I think last year or so, when Carrasco was probably apart from De Bruyne and maybe one of the the best Belgian players uh, in in Europe, uh, performing at the highest level, and he was still being overlooked at that time. So I have a little bit of doubts with Roberto Martinez's uh, selection process sometimes, um, and I definitely think that they should qualify from this group on paper they are you know favorites of course um, but it's not an easy group and we've seen Belgium struggle in the past with teams like uh, Saudi Arabia in the in the mid 90s and uh, yeah a team like uh, Morocco can definitely give Belgium trouble um, especially if they're going to sit back and uh, play and get the tempo out of the game and make things difficult it's going to be up to Kevin De Bruyne really to uh to break things open and um he's going to have to be really good and if Kevin De Bruyne is in great form like he was in 2018 until they kicked him off the pitch uh it you know that's where it went wrong really for Belgium is when they the Italians uh kicked uh, De Bruyne off the pitch uh it wasn't no that wasn't that wasn't 2021 already I think sorry <laughs> I'm getting things confused here but uh yeah you know when when De Bruyne isn't um uh, isn't firing on all cylinders, Belgium struggle. And when he is uh, firing on all cylinders, of course, they're a better team for it. And he's obviously one of the best midfielders in the world, so that's logical. But uh, yeah, Belgium will depend a lot on some individual quality and uh, also will depend on whether Romelu Lukaku can come back from his injury on time and get back in form uh, for Inter now uh, so that he will be in prime form uh, in Qatar. That will be very important for Belgium.
1: Obviously, looking at the, the really talented players that Belgium have, and, you know, I think there's a lot of questions that could indeed be asked, <laughs> Khan, so I'll, I'll pose it to you and really, you know, is Lukaku really going to be that vital purse player in the attack? And, and just looking at some of the players that I think are going to be very much uh, crucial, some young ones coming in, like a like, a Salamanca, like a, um, what's his name, the Katare who are both playing at Milan as well, you know, does that leave out players like Bashuai and and, you know, those kind of players as well. I just wanted your thoughts on, and, and Benteke even as well, who's, who's playing at DC United. What do you feel as if, though, is Belgium's best side heading into this World Cup? If you can get like a, a good starting 11 that you feel Roberto Martinez will put out over there in Qatar?
4: Well, it's difficult. Uh, like I said, um, Martinez definitely clings to some of the guys that have done it for him in the past. Uh, but I would say definitely uh, in form, Romelu Lukaku is always going to uh, start. Uh, Michi Bachuai is the number two right now. He has overtaken that role from Christian Benteke a few years ago already. Uh, you can also look at his track record with the national team. He has a very good appearance-to-goal ratio. Um, Michi Bacuayi is But he is, you know, there's no doubt there that he's number two. Uh, Romelu Lukaku will always be number one when he's fit. And then, of course, you know, in the 10 position, uh, Kevin De Bruyne is the favorite. Um Charles de Ketelare, he also really likes to play in that number 10 role, but he can play on either wing. Um, he is a, a very good option. But also, of course, like I mentioned before, Leandro, uh, Dendonc- uh, Leand- <laughs> Leandro Trossard, not Leandro Donker. Dendonc- it's a little uh, confusing sometimes. But uh, yeah, Trossard has been doing great. He's in his prime years right now. He's 27 years old. Um, yeah, he's definitely uh, somebody I would definitely start uh, Thibaut Courtois' goal is, is uncontested. He's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Um, and at the back, that's where the big questions are. You know, Jan Vertonghen, 35 years old, but still performed at a decent level at Benfica, although uh, their new coach didn't really uh, uh, like him too much, so they shipped him off to Anderlecht. Uh, well not, not not so much that he didn't like him but you know uh, you know how Germans are sometimes <laughs> and uh, they uh, they moved him on to Anderlecht I should say Alderweire is playing really well for Antwerp right now he's 33 years old he's definitely going to start and then recently uh, a young uh, defender 18 year old from the the Bast has been called up uh, for the first time, played against the Netherlands as well in the Nations League. At uh, just 18 years old. He's up and coming, but yeah, I, I have my doubts that Roberto Martinez will uh, really uh, favor him uh, as a starter in Qatar. Of course, he has different options there with Axel Witzel, who's, like I said, who has been playing in a three-man back line. Uh, and and that's... F- is something that uh, Roberto Martinez does as well, play with a three-man black line. So why not put Axel Witzel at the back? Uh, that leaves some room for Yuri Tielemans, for uh, Leon, uh, Leander Donker in midfield, for example. But Donker can also play in the central defensive role. So there's definitely plenty of options there. Um, but some HD. Uh, players of course um Timothy Castagna is uh if he's fit again somebody that will start and Thomas Mignet still as uh, someone who uh, will start as well. So Timo uh, Castagna on the left Meunier on the right as wing backs um and then in midfield uh definitely Tielemans and like I said the Bruyne and the 10. Um and then it's kind of the, the question which sell or maybe Den Donker uh, but I could either, those could both be interchanged and uh, put in uh, the three man back line with uh, Vertonge and uh, an and Alderweild as well. And then uh, it uh, just leaves uh, one more spot, right? And that's on the wing. And then the question is is he going to go with uh, Eden Hazar? Is he going to go with Dries Mertens? Is he going to go uh, with some of the younger guys? Um, the, his name is eluding me at the moment <laughs> from Lille. Uh, but he's really good as well, former Anderlecht player. But not 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 so much end product. I'm sorry, I'm spazzing out on names at the moment. But uh, yeah, um, I definitely think that uh, there's plenty of choices for uh, for uh, Mar- Roberto Martinez to play. But uh, I am a little worried that he's going to stick too much to the to the old names, to what have they done for me in the past? Uh, and that's something you often see, I think, with certain coaches, is that they hold on to players that. Uh, they have a lot of loyalty towards players that have done good for them in the past and therefore are maybe not uh, giving the chances or the opportunities to other younger players, up-and-coming players who are uh, knocking on the door and who are ready but just aren't getting, uh, yeah, the the opportunities that they probably should be getting, you know? Um, And I I think for Dries Mertes, for example, yeah, normally you would say... uh, that, that he's a that he's a, a super sub of the bench, but having watched him um for for uh for for Galtry in recent weeks i mean he he's not he's not playing bad by any means, but i don't know if it's still somebody that has a real place in the national team right now and of course, I forgot about Yannick Carrasco as well, and I definitely think with Eden Hazard being less informed with uh, having other options, with having Castagne who can play as a wing-back as well. He can play in either position, left or right, but I definitely think that Jannik Carrasco uh, could get more uh, playing time in that uh, role that Eden Hazard used to fill. And then you have, uh, for example, a, a front line with uh, with Trossard, Carrasco and Lukaku, or you can have... Uh, uh, Chala de Ketelare in there instead of one of them. There's plenty of options and you still have Eden Hazard. And if he gets more minutes on the Ranchi in the coming six to seven weeks then and he gets in form, then of course, if, if Eden Hazard is in form, then you play him. But yeah, there's plenty of talent, but they also need time to mesh and, and build up some chemistry. Um, and then I don't know if guys like Drossar and the Ketelare have had enough playing opportunities under Martinez to really have built that up. Not to mention that Lukaku, of course, hasn't been playing recently. So it's important for there to be a certain rapport there between the attacking players as well.
0: So, Khan, I want to jump into the predictions part. You know, I'd like to know... Um, when you look at Group F, where do you think Belgium will finish? How far do you think they'll go in the tournament? And if they're able to pull off the World Cup win, what would it mean for really what many see as the golden generation of Belgian football?
4: I think they should they should win this group and qualify. Right? Mm. That's what you would expect. Uh, and I do expect them to do so. But... I don't think they will do so authoritatively. I don't think they will smash Canada. I don't think they will smash Morocco. I don't think they will smash Croatia. I think they'll struggle. um, Maybe get a 1-0 or or something win over Canada. Uh, Again, against Morocco, I could see them drop points. And then against uh, Croatia, uh, I I think maybe a 2-1 or something like that. You know, like eek by them. And generally, I think the, uh, the 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 tournament is going to be a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, I think it's going to go down as it's been coming from 2018. You know, 2018 was the, was the height where what we kind of have a what if, what if they could have beaten France somehow, and then you went to to the, to the Euros where they went out against Italy, who inevitably, of course, won the tournament with. Uh, which was a great team. I really like enjoyed that it, that Italy team, but uh, there was also a little bit of a what if there. What if Kevin De Bruyne wasn't uh, wasn't injured? Uh, what if uh, Eden Hazard was fit? Uh, you know, but the the tournament still kind of ended in a little bit of a disappointment. And then now, it's kind of the last chance. And I just have the feeling with this national team that it's close but no cigar. And I fear that this is just going to be the continuation of the trend of that. And that after this tournament, Belgium is going to pr- properly transition uh, and get in a lot more new blood. And it will be the end for a lot of the older guards. Um Of course, guys like uh, Courtois, Lukaku and De Bruyne will still be there in 2024. But I think for a lot of other older players, it will be the end. But if somehow they managed to pull off the victory and win the tournament. Uh, that would absolutely be massive, of course. I think also the in- entire country would breathe a massive sigh of relief because it's really kind of seen as we're never going to have a generation like this again. And like this is already kind of an overstatement because it's more so the team that still had Vincent Company in it. You know, that was the team that was supposed to get silverware and i think you know most football fans in belgium kind of know that look this generation we're probably not going to have a collection of these many top talented players de bruyne lucaku courtois uh, vertongen and alderwereld the at their prime in the premier league uh, beforehand you know vincent company of course You know, Eden Hazard, of course, and then Dorgan Hazard and Carrasco and all those players, Axel Witzel, like we're probably never going to have, like in 10 years' time, Belgium probably won't have that many players playing in top five leagues at a very high level again. It's probably just not going to be that many, you know what I mean? Like there's always going to be some great Belgian footballers playing in the top five leagues because the Belgian uh, football uh, system is is a, feeds to those top leagues, but it's probably going to be more of, yeah, we do have players in the Premier League, but it's more a Leander than Donker rather than a Kevin De Bruyne, okay. if you know what I mean. Good it. players, but not world class. And uh, I think if Belgium win the national, the, the the World Cup, that uh, that would put the the country in 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 ecstasy because that's something that we all hoped for years ago. Uh, now I think some people are still secretly holding out hope, but I think most people aren't expecting it. It would be a massive surprise, but I think the, the country would explode. Sounds good.
0: Khan, thank you again for coming on and joining us and helping us break down Belgium as they head to group F for the 2022 world cup. All the best to you and good luck to Belgium as they enter the tournament. You're welcome. And
4: thank you very much. And uh, all the best to whichever teams you guys support. Um, for the listeners, of course, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll see some great football in uh, Qatar and uh, it won't be too hot, hopefully.
0: And special thanks again to Khan Bayazit for joining us on the show. Last but not least, we were joined by Josh Deming from JJDTV to preview Canada as they head to face Belgium for their opening match of the 2022 World Cup. So without further ado, the Josh Deming interview. And joining us now on This Week in Football from JJDTV, Josh Deming. Josh, welcome to the show. It is great to have you join us and talk about Group F and Canada, their soccer team, as they head to Qatar for the 2022 World Cup. I want to start out by asking you real quick about your links to covering Canadian soccer and, uh, you know, your links to Canadian soccer overall.
5: Yeah, I uh, created a YouTube channel called JDTV where I started covering the national team with like Previews, reviews, live streams, transfer news, all that fun stuff. And uh, after some time there, got picked up by One Soccer. So I created a series called Canadians Abroad where I cover Canadians playing abroad. So I know it's as simple as that. And uh, we do that over on One Soccer as well as some other fun videos surrounding the national team. So pretty much live and breathe Canadian soccer. And uh, yeah, excited to be here and chat with uh, the group for you, with you guys.
1: Well, certainly it's a good time to be talking about Canadian soccer because, obviously, this is a team that is going back to the World Cup, to the biggest stage in soccer for the first time since 1986. Obviously, to the detriment of us, obviously, you know the fact that they ended up winning the so-called octagonal in this case. I should say hexagonal, but it is octagonal because we had eight teams uh, for the first time ever really having a wonderful World Cup qualification experience you know eight wins four draws only two losses getting results against the united states getting results against mexico you know certainly a monumental achievement for this side um you know headed by john herdman so i just want your thoughts on just how have you assessed this this journey for for them to really be a side that you know obviously over the last decade or so really hasn't been fighting for spots to make it to the world cup here they are now making it to their second ever four years before they have to co-host the against the united with the united states and mexico just how have you assessed this journey and and you know just i guess attribute the success really to to them making this this world cup
5: yeah absolutely the the rise has been truly incredible that's why you see a bunch of uh pretty big youtubers out there coming up with video essays around the rise of the canadian national team but For me, when I look back on it, because I believe before they played their first World Cup qualifying match, they didn't play a match since January 2020 against Iceland. So it it was in the backburners. And it's not like soccer in this country has been a massive subject because Canada hasn't really done anything to gain attention. There was that nice victory over the U.S., but then it got quickly dismantled with a 4-1 result in the Nations League. And it, I mean, Davies was kind of like the the main focal point, but it didn't really look like the surrounding cast would have been enough to maybe allow this team to go through a hectic uh, World Cup qualifying because CONCACAF World Cup qualifying is a difficult thing to do. You got to be pretty much perfect right from the off to, to make it to it. And Canada hasn't done it since, like you mentioned, 1986. And then all of a sudden, when the matches were coming up, you kind of took a look at this squad and some key breakout players. I mean, you had... Davies, David, and then you like the emergence of Buchanan and grabbing some of the o- older players like Junior Highlight who's been around, seeing Victoria Borian and and he kind of molded into this this team and when you're looking at it on paper, I remember when they played their first match I'm like there's there's some talent here. There's some good guys playing in Europe, still some young emerging talent through the MLS with Montreal, Vancouver and Toronto. And when it came down to Herman kind of putting this team together, there was still a little bit of question marks around him as well after that Gold Cup defeat to Haiti. A lot of Canadian fans were, were wondering what was going to happen, and he just kick-started this team into the most interest I've ever seen this country get around their national team. The The World Cup run was incredible from start to finish, not only making it to the octagonal, which took obviously like three or four <laughs> rounds of qualifying, but once we got to the octagonal, picking up some of those special results, it, it came a bit of a swagger with this team that I can't really explain it, and it came where I was kind of like a realist where I'm watching these matches. I'm like, all right, if we can grab points here and here, maybe there's a chance we slip into that that fourth place interconfederational one. Um and then the results started to come in and and as the the qualifiers went on, they just seemed like a team that clicked and they had the right pieces to make this system work. Uh on numerous times Herman showed his tactical flexibility. He's played in numerous systems uh they, they for example they never played in the 4-2-3-1 and then going to the azteca they he boldly played in a system that they have not really featured in in their qualification qualifi- qualification and uh, they got a big result in the azteca which is again full of his- historical moments and it was just very special to be able to cover it and to witness it and now to kind of get the excitement to actually earn a spot at the 2022 world Cup, which i think it's important thing to do instead of just be being a host, which they're obviously going to be in 2026, but to earn this one, I think it's going to give them a lot of confidence and I'm excited to see what this young group can do. Yeah, it, it, it should
0: act. It should propel this group into uh, not only 2022, but even 2026, but This is a group, um, it's a very strong, strong, strong group, and uh, they're a team that finished tops in CONCACAF. They were the best offensive side in CONCACAF. They were the best defensive side in CONCACAF. The only blemish on their home record was a 1-1 draw to Honduras. Otherwise, they beat everybody, including the United States and Mexico at home. This is not a team to be messed with, but looking at the group uh, that they've gotten into for the, the World Cup, Group F is definitely not an easy group to manage. You've got Belgium who are certainly one of the favorites to win the entire tournament you've got morocco uh tough side coming out of uh, africa but certainly i would say um a team that's probably disappointed with their with their results in the afcon and then you've got croatia runner-up in 2018 an aging group but certainly still a formidable group how do you see canada navigating this group especially when they open the tournament against um against the the one of the favorites in belgium on the 23rd
5: yeah, I mean, watching some of the the talent that, that we know Belgium has is, is very nerve-wracking. I think it's going to be a real character check. This is going to be a opportunity that none of these players have had before. The, going to a World Cup can do wonders for, for a, a player's career. We've seen the type of transfers that that people get. They know that this is the biggest of stages when it comes to this sport. And none of these players really have a, a, the experience to lean on, to, to go to someone who, hey, I've been there, I've done that, where... Like you just mentioned, Belgium walked away with the bronze. They have players who've played the highest of levels. I'm going to hope that players like Alphonso Davies, maybe they haven't done it in terms of the international level at this type of stage, but he won a Champions League. We need some of the leaders in that room to maybe just calm things down because the one issue with leading up to this World Cup so far is that Canada hasn't played someone outside of CONCACAF since that Iceland-friendly back in January 2020. Thankfully, we have a couple matches coming up against... Qatar as well as Uruguay and then the final friendly against Japan so we can get a little taste of that but right now it's basically just CONCACAF so and, and also in those friendlies we don't get to come up against someone actually from Europe just just to put that into context so coming up against two of the three best teams in the World Cup from 2018 will be definitely interesting but in that first match coming up against the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, Hazard, the nerves of playing in a World Cup, just being able to settle the group down, play the type of game that they know that they have to will probably look to defend well hit on the break with the speed of Buchanan and Davies and hope for to to nick one somehow with with the finishing ability of Alarin or David. It, it's going to be monumental because if they can't handle that pressure, and this type of talent like someone like Kevin De Bruyne it can completely change a match. So I think getting off to a comfortable and calming start is probably the most important thing they can do with that Belgium match. Hopefully get something, if not a, a point out of that match, get a good result, a 2-1 a a, maybe in a 2-0, like a result like that to show some confidence that they could still pull something off because Belgium on paper looks like a very, the most difficult one on 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 paper because there's been a lot of transition with Croatia and then, of course, Morocco has had their ups and downs with their manager and players coming in with the national team. So it is a very difficult group, uh, but Canada's kind of the way that they did through CONCACAF qualifiers. They're playing with not a lot of pressure. They're, they're the team that no one really knew about and hopefully we'll be able to surprise some people and get a result. Well, certainly the eyes of the world will be
1: on Canada and a lot of these Canadian players, of course, now heading into the players to watch because certainly we know the likes of Alphonso Davies and what he's been doing at Bayern Munich, becoming one of the best versatile, uh, you know, could play as a fullback, could play as a midfielder, just becoming one of the most versatile players on the world stage. We're seeing the likes of how well someone like Jonathan David is doing in France at Lille. We have some other familiar names like Kyle Larin, like um, Ativa Hutchinson, Buchanan, many other players who are doing it so far in in Europe. But I just want your thoughts, really, Josh, on, you know, a lot of pressure will definitely be for these Canadian players to try and impress. And this is how I say it, because I think a lot of them will definitely be expectant, you would say. So I just want your thoughts on which some of these players you feel, maybe some of the names that we haven't mentioned yet or maybe aren't well-known yet, that could indeed impress at this World Cup. And then make it on the big stage to a bigger European team or a bigger team overall
5: uh, if they do indeed impress at Qatar. I mean, there's three three players that kind of come to mind for me, I mean, and I'm not going to take the usuals. And your David, your your Larenz, um, your I mean Davies. These guys we're familiar with. They're going to be big time players. We know that. But there's two players that you didn't mention, and the one you did that I'm going to touch on a little bit. And the first one is Stefan Musterkio, and he's the player that. First caught my mind. He he was a dual national between Canada and Portugal, and John Herman did a wonderful job to get him in. But he was the player that kind of stepped up. Everyone when they thought of Canada's midfield over the years, they thought of Atiba Hutchinson. A lot still do. I mean, he is he's a legend around these parks. But he is approaching forty, hasn't played this season yet. Uh, had some difficulties last year as well. And Stephanie Stacchio absolutely thrived in that Canadian midfield. He at times has been the most important player on that pitch. He brings something that no one else can do. And when you're taking, you're talking about taking the likes of, of Davies out of this lineup. I mean, we saw what Canada did. They played half of their qualifiers without Davies because they can put in a similar type of a player. They're not going to be what Alfonso Davies is, but there's no one, in my opinion, who can really go like for like with Stephanie Stakic in that midfield. He he earned himself a big transfer to Porto. He's he kind of has had to be patient and wait for his opportunities. He just played four consecutive matches, in two, including two Champions League matches in a row with with Porto. So he's done. He's done his, his due diligence. He's he's done everything right so far to be able to break into the national team, to perform, to earn that big money move. And I think at uh, this World Cup, I don't know if there's going to be another side that he potentially go to. I think he's more than anything just going to worry about playing at a Champions League level in, in a team like Porto and continue to be a part of that midfield. But the opportunity to change a game and to have a huge impact on what Canada's going to do is going to come through the strings he pulls in the midfield. He's He's so important from set pieces, free kicks, just the calming presence on the ball, he he has been wonderful to watch. Another key player who I think could be in for a big transfer is Alistair Johnston. Alistair Johnston, when it comes to the back line, is someone who's almost irreplaceable as well. He's very versatile. He's playing for uh, an unbelievable CF Montreal side right now in the MLS. They've they've been doing really good things, sitting second in the East. He can play as a wing back, uh, right back, outside right, center back, but mainly for the national team, you see him playing that outside right center back role. And I kind of describe him a little bit like the way Aspilicueta shifted into that outside right center back role when when Antonio Conte came in. That's kind of what it reminded me of. You don't really look at him and look at the stature of someone who would play in a center back the same way you as Alistair Johnston or as Aspilicueta, but they bring a lot of the same, the energy, the the calmness on the ball, the way that they are so intelligent on what to do and being versatile to be able to switch up shape mid game to go out to wherever you need him to do. He's another big player who I think could be in for if there's a big defensive performance in this World Cup that catches some attention. Alzer Johnston, if it's going to happen through Canada, is going to be a part of it. And then the final one who I think is probably the most likely to earn a move is also Tejan Buchanan. He, through a a couple different situations, has really blossomed into a a fun player to watch, an energetic, direct winger. He's he's a little versatile as well. He can play as a right, right back. He was doing it for New England went up to a right mid right attacking mid even at times in the goal cup he kind of floated around as a 10 he's playing as a left wing back right now for club bruges i think that a top five league hopefully will be the goal and a decent club in a top five league if he can he can get off and running but he's just such a fun player to watch and, and his emergence as well helped tenfold when it came to qualifying as well and those are three like I wouldn't say like the high key players. Cause that's, like I said, your, your David, your Davies, maybe even your Laren, but those three players I think will have a major impact. And if any one of them didn't make the starting 11, it makes me worried because they're, they just bring something so unique to the starting 11.
0: So Josh, I, I want to jump in here real quick. And and I wanted to ask a quick, quick question. Um, Milan Borjan, 34 years old. He was the star in world cup qualifying for them in, in CONCACAF. Um, but now you look over his shoulder at 34 years old and you see Maxine Crepeau, who was at LAFC and, and really performing well. Um, what are your thoughts on Canada going forward? Are they going to go with Borjan, who got them there? Or are they going to go with Crepeau, who might be the hot hand uh, at this point in time?
5: They'll, they'll definitely go with uh, with Borjan. And and it's funny too, because like when I get asked about uh, like a similar question like that all the time about specific players, moves and whatnot, and I it's it's almost like I almost never give Borian the credit. Maybe he just truly deserves. Milan Borian has been an absolute rock star. Uh he is an absolute leader. If you watch some of the team huddles, the excitement, he gets this club or he gets his side energized. He gets his club en- energized as well. He's he's been a, a pillar in the back of that red star team that's playing in Europe as well, that's winning silverware pretty much each and every season is almost guaranteed. And I mean, he wears some of the best sweatpants you're ever going to see. <laughs> but when it comes to uh, when it comes to Maxine Crapo and even Dane St. Clair, both of them are having incredible seasons in the MLS. Uh, I always say the MLS, in Major League Soccer. Uh, you take a look at what St. Clair has done. The stats that he has are incredible. He's playing for a very talented Minnesota United side as well. And I'd argue, just given the age and kind of the trajectory that St. Clair's on, that maybe come 2026, St. Clair's probably the the better bet to go on Krapo can definitely do a job but for right now i i don't think that there's any way that one of the other two keepers would be able to get in front of bory and i think he's just he's playing too well uh it, it's coming up right now i think he'll be a lock for 2022 and then after that those two will battle out for 2026 but uh he brings so much more than just solid performances when it comes to that national team and the leadership the vocal that he has at the back and just he's one of John Herbin's guys and Herbin's got a few of them and, and Borhan is definitely one of them. So I just don't see a way that Crepeau would be able to or St. Clair would be able to get in front of him.
0: You got you go to the dance with the one that got you there. And, I, and I'd say Borhan was definitely the one that did that. So let's um, let's look at predictions. Uh, obviously, we've, we've already said Group F is going to be really, really tough. What is your prediction for Canada in this group? Do they make it out of the group? Um, do they win the group? What do you think?
5: I mean, it's tough. Uh, there's a little part of me that 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 wants to. I mean, the last World Cup we were at, it we, uh, was an 86, and we didn't score a goal. Mm-hmm. So we went 0-3, no goals. So, I mean, the bare minimum for this World Cup, I'd like to see Canada score. I'd like to see them get a point. I'd like to see them get a win. I'm not expecting to go up against some of the biggest talent out there with Belgium, Croatia, and even Morocco, who sometimes I don't give full credit to because they are still a very talented team. Uh, I, I, I kind of have a gut feeling that they are going to finish in third. I think it'll be close. I think if there's a chance that they can get through, they have to take care of business against Morocco, hope for something against Croatia, and then, and also obviously hope for something against Belgium. But I'm thinking if they sneak through, it's because they got a one, one, and one record. But uh, there, there's no doubting that they're massive underdogs. Uh, I think getting an experience coming here, hoping that they can pull a, a Costa Rica type run, because there's always one. I mean, you remember there, there was Ghana, there was Costa Rica back as, as well, uh, even. just, there's beautiful stories about the world cup. And that's what this tournament's about. Hopefully it can be Canada, but if you're making me put money on the situation, unfortunately I'm probably putting them in third. So,
0: I mean, and it would be a beautiful story if they did go. So, so let's talk about the beautiful story because if this Canadian side happens to make it out of the group, let's say they make a deep run into the world cup and, and, you know, by a freak of nature, let's say, because I think many are predicting them either third or fourth in the group, um, so by freak of nature, they actually win this tournament. What would it mean for soccer in Canada? What would it mean to the fans of Canadian soccer? What would it mean to you personally?
5: It, it means a little bit of everything. I mean, for for me personally, I, just growing up in this country, I grew up in a very small town uh, that I, I just became obsessed with the sport when no one else really did. I didn't didn't everyone like hockey. I didn't really have anyone to to chat about, which is part of the reason I took to social media. I took to YouTube to to create this and to find all these growing fans into a sport I don't think and I've said this way before in in terms of the first stream I've ever really did around Canadian soccer is there's never going to be anything as good as the World Cup in terms of making this a global sport in this country this will put Canada right on prime time opportunity to get an interest and if you're a neutral if you're not even a fan there's a good chance that you're going to tune in and see what this national team can do because it's what it's about this there's something beautiful about World Cups and I've never in my lifetime been able to see Canada at it so I think for numerous reg- reasons, inspiring younger Canadians, inspiring maybe dual nationals, inspiring just in terms of our Canadian Premier League to get more growth, to get more fans. I think that this opportunity that presents us could be a huge, huge reason to get people involved and then hopefully build on that leading to a World Cup in which we are hosting in 2026. So it's an excellent time and I'm hoping to do my part and, ho- and hope the national team can do the country proud and really use it as a, a elite leaping point i guess to try to get this this country behind the sport because it's definitely a growing one and, and we've seen that through the qualifiers so far
0: josh deming thanks for joining us from JJDTV. all the best to you and and to the youtube channel as well and to, to the canada national team and we look forward to speaking to you again soon
5: appreciate you guys having me on uh it was a lot of fun and hoping to see uh, canada do something special and hopefully you guys will be enjoying the world cup as well which i know you will be
0: And special thanks again to Josh Deming for joining us on the show to preview Canada. Roberto, it's prediction time for us. And looking at this group, for me, I'll go first. And, you know, it's hard not to pick Belgium and Croatia at the top. Uh, You know, Canada, I think at this point... Want to make a little noise, but ultimately are going to be happy to be there. Like we said, they first time they're back since 1986. Morocco returning did not get out of the group stage. And I think are going to look to try and, uh, you know, do a little bit better here in this World Cup. But I think ultimately, I think Canada might be a little too strong offensively for Morocco. And I think Morocco for me are going to finish fourth. Um, I'm going to go with Canada third here. I, I think that although they're talented and I think they might give a team like croatia is going to be the one for me where they're going to give them a little bit of a scare because i i think an aging midfield in croatia i, I think will um still be good enough they still have Luka modric is still you know one of the midfield greats of all time let's let's call a spade a spade here um Luka modric should be classified as one of the best midfielders ever at this point um and i think his 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 significance and his intelligence and his experience will be enough to carry Croatia through that match so I'm going to take Canada third I'm going to take Croatia second here though and I'm going to take Belgium first I think Belgium are going to be on a mission knowing that this is probably the last best chance for them to succeed at the World Cup again four years ago finishing third in this competition I think they're going to want to improve on that I think they're going to want to get to the final and and I think Croatia is going to be a a fantastic measuring stick for them to get to that final. So, for me to pick this group from bottom to top, I'm going to go Morocco fourth, Canada third, Croatia second, and Belgium first. What say you, my friend?
1: Yeah, yeah, this is a, another tough one to really call, but I think ultimately, I, I think for Canada's sake, I think they've been so so good at this world that at, at, in CONCACAF, and I think you know they definitely have what it takes to really become better in the future. I just don't think. You know, they have enough to really surprise anyone, really, as of yet. And I think if you look at the quality, this is no disrespect to them or any other teams. I think that just when it comes to the competition that they have against, I think it's going to be a bit difficult um, to really compete. So I think, unfortunately, as you know, it's tough for me to say this because I really want them to do well. I see Canada finishing fourth in this group. Morocco, with the talented side that they have, you know, based in Europe, a lot of great players, as as we know. I think, as well, they just won't have enough to really stack up against the, the entire competition in Croatia and Belgium. So I see them finishing in third. I think I have to agree with you in terms of top two. I think Croatia is definitely a side that can indeed repeat. If not, well, if they better, they would win it. But they could definitely do what they did like in 2018 and get out of the group stages, and you know who knows what could happen from there. But I do see them finishing in second. I think this Belgian side under Roberto Martinez is immensely talented. You have some of the best players in the world right now on that team and I think it's it's testament to the quality that they have. The question will be is, you know, how far and how much of the hype will be towards them. Can they indeed contend for this World Cup and be shown that they can indeed compete? We don't know what could happen, but I do think that Belgium are the clear favorites at this group and will win it uh, in my opinion. So I say Belgium first, Croatia second, Morocco third, Canada in fourth.
0: Sounds good to me, my friend. So, with uh, with that in mind, let's uh, give thanks to our friends, Khan Bayezid, Josh Deming, Amin El Amri, and Anthony Zorch, for joining us on the show to preview Group F. Uh, and for Roberto Rojas, I am Joe Ursello. Thanks for listening to our preview of Group F of the 2022 World Cup, and good night.